take your Bibles, if you would, go to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And we've been going through this series on having joy in the journey, finding joy in the journey. I hope that you haven't lost your, your joy in the Lord. And it's a great book. Boy, if you're ever feeling down, the book of Philippians is a great place to go and spend some time. It always lifts my spirits, Brother Flynn, when I read through this book. And so I, I was praying and God put this little book on my heart. Today, we're, or this afternoon, we're in chapter number 2. As we continue, we're in verses 9, 10, and 11. So if you can, this, you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read this together, these three verses, all right? So if you're able to read along, we'll begin in verse number 9, verse 9, 10, and 11, all right? So if you're ready to go, all right, let's begin. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are exalted because of who you are, the Son of God. And Lord, we, we exalt you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you have done for us, especially giving yourself that we might have eternal life. Now, Lord, may, may we realize as we live our lives that everything we do, that one day there will come a meeting, Lord, where we will bow the knee. And there are so many today that try to live their own lives uh, thinking they can do what they want, but one day they too will bow the knee before you. Now, Lord, I pray that you just bless this time this afternoon. Thank you for this morning. And help us to focus on these verses. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When we come to these three verses, we really see the second part of what we began and what God began back in verse number five. Look what it says again in verse number five. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, what was on the mind of the Lord. The Bible says, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, when you get to verse number nine, notice the first word is what? Yeah, it's what? Wherefore. Now that word that is used there joins what was previously said before these verses we're looking at tonight. The word wherefore really means for this reason. Like God put it there. It's a connective is what it's called. It connects what was previously said to what we read here in verses 9, 10, and 11. And so this is the reason here why Jesus is exalted. And what did Jesus do? He humbled himself. You think about where you and I would be today had it not been for the Lord willingly gave himself. I'll tell you where we'd be. We'd be bound for hell, would we not? But because of his humility, because he was willful in his humiliation, the Bible says, wherefore, for that reason, he is exalted. Now, there's some great biblical principles that I have, I have learned in my life, and I've tried to hang on to these. They've helped me. I was sharing one with Brother Chris the other day. 
that the Bible teaches that preparation always precedes blessing. Okay, let's say that. Preparation always precedes. So look here. If you want to be blessed, then there has to be a time of preparation. For instance, if you're going to take a test, you've got to study. If you don't study, you know what kind of grade you're probably going to end up with. But you think about people in the Bible, what did God do with Moses? He prepared him. What did God do with Joseph? He prepared him. What did God do with Daniel? He prepared him. And with each one of those and many more, what did he do? Because of the preparation, he blessed them. Now here in chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 9, 10, and 11, here's another one of those principles. And I want you to look at this because here's the principle exaltation always follows willful humiliation. Let me say it again. Exaltation always follows willful humiliation. All right? Now, say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus humbled himself willfully, right? He laid his life down. No man took it from him, correct? Is that what the Bible teaches? Yeah, he willfully, no one took his life. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And because he willfully humbled himself, guess what happened? God hath highly exalted him. And let me give you a couple verses that go right along. These are verses for us, for you, for me, that help us understand that exaltation. Look, God's way up is down. Many times we want to climb the corporate ladder, but understand what God wants us to do is to humble ourselves, and in His time, He will lift us up. So look at, it, look at these verses, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He, God, may exalt you in due time. Look here, just be patient. Be willful in your humiliation. Be willing. Look at James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He, God, shall promise lift you up. Look at the next one, Matthew 23.12. Whosoever shall exalt himself. Go ahead, you try on your own. The Bible says you try to exalt yourself, and you're going to be abased. You're going to be brought down. But look at the last part of the verse. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Do you see the principle tonight? Understand that this matter of exaltation is something that only comes after a willful humiliation. So in the passage tonight, I want you to see from three verses, three simple truths about Jesus. Look at the first one. The first one is this, that he is exalted by a pronouncement. Look at verse number 9 again. The Bible says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. Because of Jesus' humiliation, because of our incarnate Savior, Jesus has been exalted as the Almighty. He is exalted as the Sovereign Lord and because of this, listen now, because he is exalted, you and I as believers, we have 
the assurance of our redemption that, look here, I've never had to doubt whether or not I'm saved. You know why? Because of what Jesus has done for me. See, that I can take security in the fact that I am saved. And by the way, according to the word of God, Jesus said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is of the Lord. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, where is Jesus? He's in heaven, right? He says, there ye may be also. So see, we have that certainty. And so he starts here with this truth about Jesus that he is exalted because of a pronouncement. Notice it's a pronouncement in the resurrection. The Bible says in Mark 16, 6, and he, talking about the angel of the Lord, said unto them, be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Look, Easter is not about the bunny. All right? Easter is about a risen Savior. Up from the grave he arose, right? So listen, you think about that. How much the world has taken a biblical holiday like Easter and has twisted it and distorted it into what they have today. See, this pronouncement about Jesus being exalted is is in his resurrection, Acts 2.23. Him talking about Jesus being delivered by the determinate counsel. Look, they were not going to stop until they got rid of Jesus. They thought, just like the devil did, that when he was hanging on the cross that they finally rid themselves of this man that they consider to be an insurrectionist. But the truth is, is the Bible says that it was the foreknowledge of God. The Bible says, you have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised from the dead. You see, you can't put Jesus in a grave because it would not hold him. The Bible says he's loosed the pains of death because it is not possible that he should be holden or that any grave would be able to hold the Son of God. I love what Spurgeon said on this note. Here's what he said. We gather together on the first rather than the seventh day of the week because redemption is an even greater work than creation and more worthy of commemoration because the rest which followed creation is far outdone by the rest which ensues upon the completion of redemption. Every first day of the week, we should meditate on the rising of our Lord and seek to enter into the fellowship with Him in His risen life. You think about where we are today. Listen, we are in Christ, and Christ is risen. God's given us, look here, we, were, we passed from death to life. And so notice this pronouncement that he's exalted. It comes in his resurrection, but notice it also comes at his ascension. The Bible said when Jesus had risen from the dead, before he ascended back to the Father, the Bible says when he had spoken these things, and there were things in the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus, he was still giving instructions to his disciples And the Bible says in Acts 1-9 
that they, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, in other words, it is a fact that the Bible says great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. You see, this pronouncement that Jesus is exalted, it's in his resurrection, it's at his ascension, but it's also a pronouncement in the heavens because the Bible tells us that above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. You see, Jesus is the one that Peter wrote about who said, who is gone into heaven, and he is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. You think about this, folks. Listen, the Lord may not physically be here with us today, but understand this, that he is still in control, that God is still sovereign. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I love Revelation 5. Look at this. And I beheld, John writes, and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You know what people try to do today and it's, it's really sad, the world we live in today, but here's what they try to do. They try to bring Jesus, the Son of God, down to their level. How foolish. How ridiculous, especially when we consider who Jesus really is, that he is the Son of God. And so we need to understand here that the reason that Jesus, according to the, the, Paul writing here in Philippians, the reason he is exalted it's because of the pronouncement in verse number 9. But look at secondly in verse 10, he is exalted by a prophecy. Look back in verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Remember the old commercial that was on TV when E.F. Hutton speaks? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Listen, there's going to come a day that at the name of Jesus, every knee, not some, every knee. And in the Bible's very clear here that it talks about this prophecy. When, even when Paul was writing here, this prophecy about that day when it's going to happen, it is something that honestly in Paul's day, in our day, is still yet future. There are prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled, but this is one that even in our day is still yet future. It has not happened yet. Well, when will this happen? When will this, this host come together? When will they be gathered together? The, listen, we study the scriptures and we find that the saints, the, those that are saved, those that are in Christ, according to the word of God, they will not be judged at what is known as the great white throne judgment. That judgment seat is one that will be for the unsaved. And clearly the scriptures tell us 
that those that are saved will only have a time where they will give an account of what they've done with the life that God has given to them. In other words, you and I, as we live this life, look, who gave you eternal life? Yourself? God did, right? So you can't lose your salvation. But what you have done for the Lord since you've been saved, one day you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat, and you will give an account, you know? Anybody here love tax day? You know? Again, what do you do? You, you, you reckon, you give an account of what you did. And think about this. There will come a day where every one of God's children that's saved in Christ will give an account of what we have done for the Lord. Now, when you think about this prophecy that he's referring to here in verse number 10, look at it again that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. This prophecy that we see shows us the show of submission. The Bible says here, it's referring to the prophecy of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Look what it says in Isaiah 45, 23. Isaiah wrote, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. Now look at this. That unto me every knee should bow. Look at every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. And all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. So way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah wrote. And what is happening in Philippians 2 is it is talking about that prophecy that was given, and it shows us this matter of submission, how that there are, look, in this day we live in, what are people doing? The Bible says every man does that which is right in his own eyes. You know what people are trying to do? They're trying to exalt themselves. They're trying to make themselves look good. They're trying to build themselves up. But see, when the Lord returns, according to this prophecy, in all of his majesty... According to what Paul writes, everyone will bow to him. Isaiah said in the Old Testament, Paul recorded it in the New Testament, the show of submission. But notice, we also see in the prophecy the subjects of submission because notice the phrases here. He says, of things in heaven. Now that is talking about those that are saved. That's talking about, if you study out the saints of God, there are those that were saved in the Old Testament. Look, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, everybody's saved the same way. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not been a, The only difference is, watch this, Old Testament, they were looking toward the cross. It hadn't happened yet. They were saved by faith. You with me this afternoon? In the New Testament, we are living after the cross. We look back to the cross. We weren't there at Calvary when Jesus died. So understand that there are Old Testament saints, then you find that there are the church saints that are those that are living in this New Testament era, a lot of people call it the age of grace, you call it whatever you want, but it's when God instituted through the Lord Jesus Christ the church. And when we say the, the church saints, we're talking about Jew and Gentile, anyone that has come to know Christ as their Savior. So you have Old Testament saints, you have those 
the, the church saints, and then you have those that are called the tribulation saints. Those that during that seven-year period that put their faith and trust in Christ, they will be in Christ. And that's what he's talking about here is the, the saints and also, if I can put it this way, the righteous angels, the ones that did not rebel against God. And so he says, those that will, are the subjects of submission are the, those of the things in heaven. But then he says, the things in the earth. And he's talking here about God's creation. He's talking about all of mankind. But and he, then he makes a third distinction, the things under the earth. Now, if you study that out, here's who that's making reference to. It's talking about Satan and all his adversaries. It's talking about uh, the demons, and it's talking about devils and evil spirits and those that are lost that are without the Lord. So clearly you find here that he's giving this prophecy. Isaiah said that every unto me every knee should bow, every tongue shall swear. So clearly, look, the Lord is exalted, and the reason we know that is because of the pronouncement and then also the prophecy. But notice number three, he is exalted by a profession. Look at verse 11. That every tongue should confess, and what are they going to confess? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if there's one thing that the devil has been trying to do for many years is to discredit who Jesus really is. I think the two places, and there's a lot of doctrine in our, in our Bible, and all of it is important. But I think out of all the doctrines that the devil has been going after the most, number one, I think it is in the area of bibliology, which is the Bible, the Word of God. And the second one is Christology, which is who Jesus really is. Because think about this. If he can discredit or cause people to think, and have you ever heard any talk like this? Jesus was a good man. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. I mean, folks, there are a lot of things. And by the way, some of those things are true. But what they're missing is that he was the son of God. That Jesus was God in the flesh. And it's important for us to understand that Jesus is exalted by a profession. What kind of profession? First of all, a physical one. You see, the Bible declares here that all who have a voice will give praise to him. I mentioned that this morning, even in Solomon's day. They praised God when that temple was dedicated to the Lord. Why? Because the glory of the Lord filled that house. And the Bible says that God's glory is in all the earth. And clearly, we see here in verse number 11, look at this, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every tongue. Look, look at me for a second. Do, how many of you are saved? Okay, look at me. Never apologize and don't feel bad for saying Jesus' name publicly. The world spews out every foul thing that they want without any apology and they, they want everyone to either hear it, accept it. Listen, if there's one thing people need to hear, it's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. There needs to be a 
physical profession. Look at Revelation 3, 5. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying. Notice what John says. He says, everybody heard me talking about Jesus. Now, sometimes you get around some people and you say, that's all they want to do is talk about Jesus. And the problem is what? That's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's almost you're a weirdo if you talk about Jesus publicly. But Chad, you can talk about the most vile things and it's so accepted in society today. There needs to be a public. He said, they heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sateth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. You know, somebody wrote it this way. I don't know if I necessarily like the way it's worded, but he says, you can say God and you won't hear a squeak. You can say our Father in heaven and a few people might flinch. You can say Allah and you'll be deemed tolerant, but you say Jesus. You just say the name Jesus and just wait for the sonic boom. It's amazing. People have such a problem with the fact of who Jesus really is. You know, the devil ever starts giving you a hard time? You want to you you get him away from you? Just, just claim the name of Jesus. You know, claim the blood of Christ. You know, there needs to be a physical profession, but notice also a spiritual profession. The Bible says here that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the, uh, uh, God the Father. When a person willfully confesses Jesus as Lord, listen, we need to understand that all will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. No matter, no matter, Jesus said, look at Matthew 7, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. There will be a lot of folks who will say, hey, listen, I attended church once a year. You know, I talked to somebody about Jesus one time. But I love how Jesus put it in John 17. Look at this. These words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. Did you hear what Jesus said? I, I know we're not Jesus. We're not God. But our lives should be lived for the glory of God. Jesus said, look, I've done everything you've asked me to do. You know what he's saying there? That he's making a profession. There needs to be a spiritual profession in our lives. Look, it's not just what we say, but it's how we live our lives. People ought to see there's something different about us. I was talking to a visitor that Nancy had today, and boy, he was excited about church today. You know, and he's been to other churches. He was going to another, it still is, I think, going to another church. But he just said, he says, boy, it's been a long time since I've been in. You know, and a lot of times when people talk to me, they'll just say something, they'll move on. He just wanted to stand there in the hallway for a long time, you know. He just enjoyed 
being here. Listen, folks, our lives need to match up with what we're saying. And that's what he's saying. John 14, 13, whosoever shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I want God to get the glory out of my life. Listen, it's easy to say things, but it's another to actually do it. That's what God is saying to every one of us. Jesus is exalted because of a profession. Somebody said, Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. The Lord should be first in our lives. You know, to God be the glory. That in all things he might have the preeminence. That's what the word of God teaches us. I love the story, true story about Adoniram Judson, great missionary of days gone by, but Judson, you probably have heard of his life. He spent nearly 40 years of his life on the mission field of Burma. The story is told that on his first visit back to the United States, when he came back, rather than talking, and it, listen, it would have been easy for Judson to do this, but instead of when he came back, instead of talking about his hardships, uh, talking about his imprisonment for the sake of the gospel, and instead of talking about the death of his wife and his four children in Burma, Judson came back to report to some of the churches, and in one of those churches, he preached a sermon, and the title of his sermon was this, Jesus' Sacrifice for Man. And he preached that message about Jesus. And what Jesus did for him. After the service was over with, a lady came up to him. And she said to him, you know, I was disappointed in your message. She said, I thought because you've been involved in missions and you've been in a different part of the world, I thought that maybe your message would be, well, something different. And the great missionary Judson looked at her and said, I have nothing more thrilling to tell than the story of Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. I can't think of anything that this world needs more to hear from us than about Jesus. You see, Judson's life, and hopefully in our lives, I hope that we will exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to exalt him. That pronouncement, you know what it was? That God exalted him. The prophecy, what was the prophecy all about? That everybody was going to bow to him one day. And what is the profession? That he is Lord. Why else would we bow to him? Because only God deserves our worship. What a great God we have, do we not? Let's bow our heads Lord, thank you for this, this afternoon. Thank you for just a simple time in the Word of God, thinking about you and how that you are exalted, Lord, you are lifted up by the glory of the Father. I thank you so much for the wonderful example that we have to follow you, Lord, in your humiliation. You were willing to go to the cross, and because of that, Lord, you are exalted. We need to understand that in our lives, Lord, that we need to humbly submit ourselves, realizing, Lord, that we are under you. God, as, 
as you desire, as you see fit, Lord, in your time, in due time. If you choose, you would lift us up. But if not, Lord, what a privilege and pleasure it is to be one of your children. Thank you for this day and for the word of God. Bless everyone that's here, Lord. Continue to be with our church in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.